punctuates it, and he creates his own offensive chance with that motor. Krejci to Coyle, and the Leafs are moved again! Hello there and welcome to Nesson Bruins Podcast from Nesson.com's Mike Cole, joined as always by Logan Mullen and Lauren Campbell. Guys, how you doing? Wonderful. Good. I'm literally joined by you. I know. Yeah, we are in the same room for the first time in better part of more than a year. Yeah, what, 14 months now? Yeah, it's been been far too long. Um, but we are not here to talk about our interactions and the the areas in which they occur. We're here to talk about the Bruins. We're here to talk about the Bruins' second-round playoff series, the East Division Final, as I like to call it, uh, against the New York Islanders, which is uh, tied at two games apiece. This, game, or this series head back to Long Island. Um, Bruins won game one, Islanders won game two in overtime. A lot to sink our teeth into, so let's just go around the room uh, with initial thoughts and takeaways. Logan, why don't you kick us off? Well, they are exactly playing each other in the sense that the team, the two teams are a mirror image of one another. And I would like to take credit for the fact that I said that during the podcast before Bruce Cassidy said the next day, we're playing ourselves a little bit here. Um, so now that I've successfully taken that victory lap, it, it's, I don't know. The series has gone about as I expected it to, because it's two teams where defense is a priority. I'll say the pace I've been pretty happy with. Um, you know, I think when you think of a defensive series, you usually think of like a plotting style of play yeah. where everyone just camps out in front of the net and there's no pace or anything. It's moved quick enough. Um, so I think this is what it's going to be is a bunch of close games. I mean, game one, it, despite what the final score was, was a close game for 46 minutes. And so I don't know. I think it's going to be pretty much even pegging for about, I don't know, the next four or five games. Lauren? Yeah, I think Logan hit the nail on the head there. I think this is exactly what I was expecting. The pace has been, you know, nothing that is really catching me by surprise. I think that this is what we're going to get for the remainder of the series. And I think this, those first two games show exactly why the series is going to be a long one. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you guys. Um, but I, I guess I will push back on one thing with Logan. I, I thought game one – was a little more one-sided than maybe you believe. I, I think you look at the advanced numbers and things like that, the Bruins, at least the top two lines dominated. Um, McAvoy had maybe his best game of the entire playoffs, which is saying something. Um, and, you know, they eventually the dam broke for the Islanders. I mean, they made a, the smart move of putting Varlamov back in there uh, for game two. And I, I kind of look at it like what happens, and this is a, a dumb way of looking at it, but what happens if that second period in game two doesn't happen? Because I think that was, I mean, I've watched, this is now what, 10 Islanders games this year. <laughs> That's by far the best I've seen them, which is saying something considering how they ragged all the Bruins early in the year. Um, that was a veteran adult professional pushback um, that might've saved the series for them. Because I think had they not had that, that pushback in the second period and basically won the game in the second period. Um, this conversation would be a lot different in my opinion. Um, and sure, I, I guess, you know, when you go back to, to Long Island, things can change, especially playing at Nassau. But like, I don't know. I even, even in spite of that, the Bruins still got back into that game and who knows what happens if Lausanne goes around the rim instead of going back out to the middle of the ice on that uh, doomed pass in overtime that led to the Sezikis goal. So, it's a long way of saying I think the Bruins have been the better team. I'm not 
entirely surprised, however, that this game, this series is close because that's kind of like a hallmark of a team that is pretty veteran laden and has a great head coach and, and Barry Trot. So I guess this is a long way of saying I slightly disagree with you guys, but I also kind of get where you're coming from in terms of it being pretty much what we expected. Maybe it's not how we expected to get there, but it's, it's where we thought it would be. Well, this is looking like the type of series, I think, where you can envision the Bruins being overall the better team, but still losing the series because it's going to be yes. that close. Like, like you mentioned, like the Sezekis goal is pretty much a matter of if Lozon rims the puck around the boards and just puts it behind the back of the net, then – or if they Tuka can, makes a save. Or if not, Tuka yeah. makes a save, yeah. If he doesn't get beat, what Which was not that? To, you know. Yeah. So, I, I, I don't know. I don't feel – I guess I agree that the Bruins have probably been the better team. But, for one, I don't think it's lopsided. Not that you were saying that. But, um, I don't know. I think the Bruins have overall won probably, what, four periods of hockey. And – the the lows have been low though like that second period I thought the Islanders were they, fine yeah. in game two but that was also more like the Bruins kind of hosed themselves because that was probably the sloppiest I'd seen them play during the postseason so far like it was just, it was an ugly period some of that though might be I mean that's I mean you can do chicken and egg all day but I think that is a lot of for whatever reason the Islanders found their game and like that was exactly what people like us who are somewhat educated and or are parroting the people who are smarter than us <laughs> would say about the Islanders in the series that they're going to get on the forecheck and it's, you're basically like you're drowning, like you're treading water at best, um, which is ironic considering the Islanders. Yeah. And they used to have a fisherman Witty. on their, uh, <laughs> for their logo. Um, another big storyline coming out of this, uh, especially coming out of game two is uh, the play of Tuka Rask and well, I guess the better concern, <laughs> the more pressing concern is the, uh, health of Tuka Rask. Um, Bruce Cassidy did not hide behind the fact that Rask is still dinged up or is newly dinged up. It's, it's hard to say if that's the back injury that gave him trouble this season or if it's something else. Um, I think Cam Neely has said that Rask is going to need surgery at some point in the offseason. So Rask is clearly not at 100%. The Bruins are not making that any secret. Lauren, what's your concern level for, for Rask and how that might affect the Bruins? Because I think there are two answers there. I mean, I'm certainly concerned, but at the same time, I'm sure a lot of players are banged up at this point in the season. However, with Rask, we know that he had that back injury. He's had other injuries that he's dealt with, and he did look like he was laboring a bit in that second period, so that's certainly cause for concern. But I think, you know, he's going to go out there until he can't be out there, and I think if he gets lit up for four or five goals in game three in the first period, Cassidy's going to have to make a change, but I think he's confident enough in Rask, and that gives me enough confidence. But I'm certainly like cautiously optimistic because you need Rask in, in that. You need him healthy. And if he's not going to be 100% healthy, you need him as close to it as possible. Um, I think what, what else is concerning is we don't really know what this injury is. Like it's, we just know it's a nagging injury. That could literally be anything. Um, so that's certainly a little concerning there, but I'm still confident for game three with him going between the pipes. So I go back to the one game that he came back before getting hurt again. Was that in late March where he got hurt yeah, in early March? He came back for that one game and then left after the first period. And it was 
if it is the back injury again, that stuff is so fickle that like, you know what, he may just be a little banged up right now, but that is one wrong movement or one, you know, weird pivot away from being like, he can't play now. Um, And so I guess the level of concern might not be, can he physically play right now? Because apparently he can, it it seems like he can, but the, the matter is, well, what happens if he's actually like hurt, hurt and makes, you know, one wrong move and that just buckles them, especially if it happens. Because now I start to think about, well, okay, that happens early in a game. Say it happens early game three, and then you put Swayman. You've got 40 minutes with no backup goalie and a goalie who is not only a rookie, but has, what, 10 career NHL games to his name. So if things go off course for Tugarask at all from a health standpoint, just because you don't know and there is an uncertain nature to it all, then you're kind of, you know, walking a tightrope there. I can't sing the praises of Jeremy Swimmon and say I'm like overly concerned though, if he comes in, like I, that's fair. I I get, you know, the backup point, but like, that's, I mean, if one of the Islanders goalies gets hurt, they're in the same same boat again. Um, (laughs) <laughs> another fisherman. So, so many fishing. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I, I'm slightly concerned, or as concerned as somebody who really doesn't have much of a stake in it, but uh, can be in Rask's, Rask's injury because, like, I don't know, like, if that wasn't that a huge, if that wasn't a huge deal, like, it probably doesn't come up. And the fact that he was laboring enough for multiple people to notice it uh, is, you know, that that feels like that's probably not great. Um, and I think Cassie chose his words fairly carefully. Like, I think him you know, mentioning that we have a capable backup tells you that if they get any sort of indication that Rask is not 100%, especially early in game three or whatever, and they think that's keeping him from being their his best self, I, I think they, they'll make a, a goalie change. I, don't, I, I feel like we're probably not giving Rask nearly enough credit because, Logan, your point about the – I mean, I granted he was back for, for most of the stretch run, but, like, um, you know, he he could have done the same exact thing that he did in that first game back, and is you know playing through it. And up until, you know, I mean, really, he's been good in this series for the most part. Um, it really hasn't made much of a, a difference. So, credit to him. But I, you know, as as far as you know, list of concerns, goaltending, just based on what I've seen from Jerry Jeremy Swayman in a small. Uh, sample size is not my biggest concern well and Cassidy today Wednesday was far more direct I guess about the health of Rask like I I know he was way more careful about Tuesday but today he was like yeah he's fine um and, and basically said like I don't know if he said something or what the the source of all of this curiosity is about his health but like and maybe it's gamesmanship, right? Yeah. Uh, which that that happens this time of year. I mean, for all we know, Tuga Rask will be the first goalie off the ice tomorrow right. during morning skate, and then it's Swayman leading the Bruins onto the yep. ice before. Um, but I mean, Cassidy is severely downplaying it based on what I heard today. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Lauren, what's what are you looking for for the Bruins to do to make sure that? Uh, they stay in this series and, and take take things back starting game three. Yeah, I mean, I think the they still need to be really strong on defense. I think I think Lazon's not going to be a little more cautious next time. And I I'd like to see Mike Riley when he gets the puck start shooting a little more. I mean, he always shot the puck when he first got here, 
and now he's just kind of passing it off. It's like that one too many passes that I talked about in the last series. But I think that they'll need to be continue to be strong on defense, and they'll be good for game three. I'd be interested to know if teams are doing something to Riley. He looks different. It, it went from, like, this guy is the second coming of Bobby Orr to this <laughs> – this, he makes one or two plays a game. You're like, oh, okay, there he is. But far too often, they're you know they're hemmed in, um, and I don't know what that is. I have, I'm not smart. He might be he might be getting sandbagged by Carlo, which I know that you're gonna think I have an agenda. But I Carlo has been exceptionally bad uh, in his own zone, and yeah. like the thing with Carlo too is at the beginning of the year he had been firing way more shots on net, and he's just stopped doing that. And so I think teams pretty much know now that they can just key in on Riley because that is probably Carlo's like a non-factor in the offensive zone right now. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's, it's, it's all matchup-based at this time of year. and you know, It's kind of hard to hide at this point. Um, Logan, what do, what do you think they need to do? Well, I don't, I don't think you should be making too many lineup moves. but like I'm not saying you have to make well, no, No, I know, but – at the risk of making it sound like panic moves, there are two things I would do. And one is when he's healthy, I'm probably putting Zaboral in. And then I think even if uh, Craig Smith is healthy, Kuhlman should stay in the lineup over Wagner. And the reason being is the forecheck thing is legit. And like, I, it's such a like meat and potatoes, like knuckle dragging hockey thing to be like, Oh, you have to like plan around the opposing team's forecheck, but there's truth to it. Like the Islanders come at you pretty hard and I've seen enough of Lozon or in, you know, the next man up would be Tenorti crapping their pants behind the net because you've got Matt Martin and Cal Clutterbuck coming like, you know, a heat seeking missile towards you. And so Zaboral's probably their best puck carrier that they are not playing right now, unless you trust Vakanainen. I mean, the, the raw skills are there, but I'd probably sooner go with Zaboral. And, and the same thing with Kuhlman too. Like you're probably going to have to beat the Islanders now with speed a little bit. And yeah. like, I get the Wagner thing of like, he hits, he has the physical presence and whatnot. But like, again, you don't want to be getting hemmed into your own zone because Wagner can't, clear the defensive blue line like I'd sooner trust the speed of Coleman to do that yeah that makes sense um I was gonna make a point on oh <laughs> I still see the Chara stuff out there and it's like all right maybe Chara puts the puck down the, the boards on that that play in overtime but like is he gonna help would he have helped you with surviving the four check I well if that if that pass gets picked off Sezikis is you know Chara hasn't even gained the red line by the time Sezikis well, I mean, putting it past the, the point <laughs> is that Char probably doesn't turn it over like that. Um, but, like, I don't know. Like, I, that's not his strength is moving the puck out of the zone either. So, forecheck probably would still be a, a bit of an issue. I'm so done with the Char stuff. I'm sorry to interrupt. I just keep seeing But it's, it, like, it, it's impossible. And I'm not blaming you, but, like, it's impossible not – like, you can't prove it. You yeah. can't prove that Char sends that puck along the wall or anything like that. It's basically just bonehead arguments where, like, okay, Lozon has had bad luck on two goals this postseason, but if Chara was such a difference maker now, then the Capitals would go further than five games yep. in the postseason. So I'm tired of the Chara stuff. That's fair. My my, my actually, like, my only – I don't really have a whole lot for them. Like, I, I, I like where you're going with some of those changes and tweaks, but, like, again, I mean, I don't know, maybe they get eliminated on this, but – we're three, four weeks into this, and they, how do they keep still giving up goals that deflect off of people in front? And how, you know what I mean? Like, they, yeah. they're a little snake bitten for a team that 
is two games into the second round after dispatching, you know, a team and a very good team in five games in the first round. So I, I, maybe I'm a little higher on them than a lot of people right now. I think it's, you know, it's tough that you lose home ice advantage, but you're just one game away on the Island from getting it back. So I, I think they have to feel pretty good about themselves where they are. And, you know, we still haven't, it feels like there's a breakthrough coming for that second line at some point, especially if they get Craig Smith back, which we haven't talked yeah. about yet, but he, did he practice? He did Wednesday? practice so today. That is a, a good sign for him and his availability for game four. I thought the numbers say that that line was fine in game two, you know, DeBrusque, you know, he's, he is what he is. I didn't think he was bad, but I just think Smith is, you know, they, they've found something there. So if they can get him back in game two, and that line can break through at some point, then it's an entirely different series because you've seen it at times where, you know, pick your poison. Like that Islanders defense is not, you know, it's not overly great yeah. for lack of a better term. It really just comes down to can you beat like, it's like playing a basketball team with a full court press. Like if you can beat the press, you're going to get layups at the other end. That's my thing about game one is that it felt like there was times where the Bruins were in the, the New York zone for like two minutes straight. I know it probably wasn't that, but it just felt like it. So easier said than done. I, um, I don't know. Do you guys have anything else? I, kinda, this is a quick one. I think. Well, well, the matchups thing, I agree with that. Like the Pulak Pelic pairing is good. Yeah. Um, and they're playing heavy minutes, but like Letty Mayfield does nothing for me. Noah Dobson at times looks lost, which I understand. I mean, he's 21 years old. Right. I guess it helps that he's playing with Andy Green, but it's not like Andy Green's the most swift skater and he's, what, 38, 39 years old. So, like, yeah, it's basically a matter of we'll let them take one line away. And in game one, they took the second line was, away for the most part, and they got undressed by yeah. the top line. Yep. Um, and then, you know, Craig Smith being out, I think, allowed them to key in yep. on the top line more. But, you know, Nick Letty, Scott Mayfield, both fine players, but not – they shouldn't be playing – I mean, the Bruins' second line when healthy is the equivalent of most teams' top line in terms of what you can get for productivity. So if they have to put a mainly puck-moving pairing out there or one with a corpse and a kid, then you're – I mean, you're hosed. Corpse and a kid, the new name of our podcast. Uh, Lauren, do you have anything else you want to touch on? No, I think I think we uh, handle it all there. All right, I that's think... disrespectful to Andy Green. I'm sorry, Andy Green's a good player. But... I think uh, do we all have six or seven? I had six for Green. Yeah, so I mean, we just spent 20 minutes talking about how not a whole lot has changed, but <laughs> yeah. that is, you know, that's the nature of a seven-game series. So uh, Bruins back at it Thursday night. Thursday, yeah. I've lost track of the days. Um, that's a 7.30 puck drop, if I'm not mistaken, with three game coverage at 6.30 on Nesson Plus. Nesson. Nesson. That's a day Red Sox Red, game so That's tomorrow. right. That is right. Um, so check that out. Uh, and also post game coverage as well. So, all right. Um, that's all I've got. I think you guys are good. Let's get out of here. <laughs> We're going to get out of this closet. Um, <laughs> for uh, Logan and Lauren, I'm Mike. This has been Nesson Bruins Podcast. Thanks for joining us. See you again next week. Later.